hello and welcome back to Lead Your Tribe. I'm Kyle Wood and today I have another guest. Uh, Today's guest is an athletic aging coach who specializes in helping women over 40 explore their athletic potential so they can gain confidence, overcome life's obstacles and look and live ageless. Uh, Her name is Robin Leggett uh, and we have a a pass which I'll get into in a sec. Uh, Robin herself is a later in life athlete who spent 11 years as a roller derby skater before becoming an obstacle course racer in her 40s. In the last five years, Robin has completed over 60 Spartan races and stood in on multiple age group podiums. As a host of the Seasoned Athlete podcast, Robin shares stories, advice, inspiration and motivation from athletes over 40 to help people pursue bold athletic fitness goals at any age. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Kyle. I'm so happy to be here. That's good. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, so, I know Robin, for, uh, she was used to be a contributor to Bootcamp Ideas. And actually, there's a post of yours using warm-up games, uh, like the musical ones, that is still like one of the mm, highest yes. trafficked People like people search for that stuff. <laughs> Traffic consistently stays really? in sort of the, like, the mean, top remember... ten posts of the site. Nice, because I yeah. wrote those years ago. But yeah, yeah, those, the the um the musical themed like either starters or finishers, right? Like you play a yes. song and then you're yeah. doing something to the song. Play right? a song and then yeah. They I say mean, this I remember word, you do this exercise. Yeah, yeah, like thunderstruck burpees and all that. Yeah, um, I used to search uh-huh. for those myself, which is why I was, you know, it was nice to compile the list, and then now I don't have to search for them because I made the list. <laughs> uh huh. That's good. We might have to talk later about things you've made because you were looking for them <laughs> and you couldn't find them. <laughs> I mean, I right? That would be a good topic to swing back to. <laughs> right, right. It's like okay, I, I haven't. It doesn't exist, so I guess I have to make it myself. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that is how Bootcamp Ideas was born. Um, right. But you're so you're a trainer, like at heart, and that's that's how we met was through both being group fitness trainers. Um, a question I like to ask trainers is, tell me about the first time you set foot in a gym. Do you remember? <laughs> oh gosh, I you know my only my memory is college. Actually, and I when I say I was a later in life athlete, like I wasn't into fitness for most of my life. And I think Mm -hmm. in college, like I went to a gym with friends and I didn't know what it was like a big box gym. I didn't know what to do in there. And, you know, I think I was like, it's like a lot of people do when they first go to a big box gym. It's like, I guess I'll get on the treadmill and then maybe I'll (laughs) do some bicep curls. Like, you know, you just don't know what to do. And then you and then it's not super encouraging to go back when you don't feel like you know what you're doing, you know? And so I, I feel like I had yeah. a handful of those moments in my like twenties, um, like mo- in my twenties, mostly maybe my early thirties It's like, I'll try this gym thing again. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing in here. So that's kind of, <laughs> that was my, the bulk of my gym experience for a good chunk of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so intimidating, isn't it? <laughs> like it can all be. the machines and contraptions and right. that, like not even 
And then I always felt like everyone was looking at me as well because <laughs> right. I was like, the and new imagine kid. like <laughs> women always feel like people are looking at us. So, and sometimes yeah. they are. <laughs> but yeah, like the machines yeah. when you don't know how to use it and you're scared to use it, and it's yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this wrong, and everybody's staring at me, or I'm going to break something. Um, so you know, it, it's hard it, to do that. Like that's a scary thing, and I get that. Um, and that's why, you yeah. know, I, I love I love working directly with people so that they don't feel that way about exercise and and have better experiences, whether it's their first experience or a return. It's like, you know, you want to you want to help remove that intimidation because there are great experiences to be had in fitness. You know this like there are great experiences to be had, but sometimes you got to mm. work past the past the trash that happened in the mind from the early experiences, you know? Yeah. So, and we'll go keep going on that thread. What what are some ways you feel like you try and offer a different experience, a positive experience? Around? Well, you know, it's evolved for me over the years because you know, I w- when we met, I was a boot camp instructor, like outdoor group fitness, mm-hmm. and I always, you know, I always prided myself on being very welcoming, being very encouraging, being very enthusiastic, um, and then also meeting people where they are. So, you know, people are scared that they're going to show up to some, even a group fitness class, and feel like, you know, everybody's running circles around them, and they're going to just, like, pass out because it's so hard, and the instructor's not going to be sympathetic to that. And so I always made it a point to be sympathetic and be, um, let them know. It's like, you know, we're meeting you where you are. And if you need to take a step back, that is totally fine. Nobody's going to judge you for it. Um, something I did when I was a roller derby instructor that I, that I really loved doing, um, for a long time, uh, I taught very beginner level roller skating classes. That was like intro to derby roller skating classes. And we would have eight week sessions. And on week one, I would get everybody in a circle before we started anything. And I would ask them, you know, what's your name? How did you find out about us? And what is your skating background, if any? And one by one, it was mostly women, one by one, they'd go through. And I don't know how many times I heard, I haven't put on roller skates since my third grade birthday party. And they say it over and over (laughs) and over again. It's like, here I am. I'm and a lot of them were in their 30s, some in their 40s, some even older. And it's like, I haven't skated since I was eight years old. And I'm terrified. And so I did this on purpose, because I wanted everybody in that circle to hear that story. Because chances are they that was their story, too. Mm -hmm. And so every time somebody said that, I think it put more and more people at ease. Because they probably were scared, poopless to come to this place. And put on roller skates for the first time since they were yeah. years old. And here we are in a room full of people who are just like them. And that's what people don't know about fitness scenarios is chances are there are others in the room who are feeling exactly what you're feeling right now. And I wanted to do my best to help them know that. Help them understand that it's like you are not alone and nobody's judging you and everybody's actually going to cheer you on and just create create positivity Mm. around fitness where they might've felt negativity around fitness in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it is that really like, yeah, holding their hand and that definitely resonates with, with my experience of it as well. And like that positive reinforcement as well. Yeah. (laughs) Especially at the beginning, it's like really, really helping them to know that they are supported 
And then as the journey progresses, um, celebrate every small win along the way because they're going to start doing things that they never thought they'd be able to do. And that's what I really love about fitness. Like I, I love performance-based fitness because I like helping people do things that they never in their wildest dreams imagined they could do at, at whatever age they're at. And so, you know, it's like the first time you do a push-up yeah. on your toes, the first time you can hang for 30 seconds on a bar, uh, you know, the first time that you did burpees for a minute, you know, these can be smallish milestones along the way to bigger milestones. And at my gym that I had, I'd celebrate the first time they got across the monkey bars, first time they climbed a rope and these milestones get bigger and bigger. But it's like, I celebrate every small one with them because it's like, you just did a thing that you couldn't do before. That's really cool. And I want them to understand that because I think people can naturally be very hard on themselves and think like, I'm not getting any, I'm not getting any better at this. I'm not getting any more fit but it's like look at this thing you just did like that's you couldn't do that a month ago let's stop and celebrate that because that's huge and so i love helping people do that and see see those moments that deserve celebration because that just fuels the their own enthusiasm to keep going yeah so you mentioned doing roller derby so how did someone who wasn't really into fitness end up putting on skates and racing around in right. a fairly high contact sport yeah. uh, with way, other people? Kudos for using the word rexing. That takes me back to my childhood at the rink when rexing, I don't know if it's the same where you're at, where that's like the cool dance move skating was rexing um, <laughs> when I was a kid, which was not a thing I could do. So, um, so yeah, I, I fell into roller derby in kind of a weird way. Um, I always, you know, I wasn't athletic, but I am a child of the 80s. And so I always had roller skates. Like, that's just a part of growing up in the Mm -hmm. 80s in, you know, and so I always had skates or I always skated. So I was always fairly comfortable on roller skates, just, you know, skating around my neighborhood or I lived on a little cul-de-sac and I would just skate around my cul-de-sac. And I always seemed at, you know, in the 90s, I got the inline skates and then in college, I think I got a pair of quad thrift store skates. So I always seem to have skates available to me and used them, um, but just recreationally. Now, I moved to Los Angeles in 2003. And prior to that, I lived in Fresno, California, which is central California. It's a, you know, mid-sized city, but it's, um, I, I expected just to go there for college and live there for four years and leave. And I ended up living there for a decade. So mm-hmm. I ended up moving to LA because a friend of mine from college had an apartment available. And so I just like up and moved. I didn't have a job. I hardly knew anyone here. Um, I'm still in LA. I hardly knew anyone here. And Los Angeles is a really, really tough place to meet people and get to know people. Uh, if you're new, it's spread out and people are not like outwardly friendly here. <laughs> and so um, I was really unhappy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was really unhappy for the first like six months that I lived here. And so I remember one day I was at my job and I went on Craigslist, which, you know, this was pre-social media, pre-Facebook. I went on Craigslist and they had this section called Activity Partners. And I went there looking for a way to meet up with people or make friends, um, which is kind of funny. I don't know if you use Craigslist where you're at, but... Um, Craigslist here in America is not a place where you want to meet people. Um, it's it's a site where you buy stuff, but like <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of scams. And like in 2020, it's not where you go to meet people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in 2003, yeah. 
that was where you went to meet people because there was Back nothing home. else. So I was yeah. on Craigslist and I saw That's an true. ad. I saw an ad for a roller derby league. It's like new roller derby league looking for skaters come to practice. And I was really intrigued by that. I was like, hmm, roller derby. And I I was familiar-ish with roller derby. Like it it was a big deal in the 70s and 80s. And then it kind of went away for a while. Uh, and it started off as a legitimate sport, but then became professional wrestling and, you know, throwing referees throwing chairs on skaters and things like that. And then it just disappeared. But I guess in 2001, a group of women in Austin, Texas formed a women's roller derby league. And it was like big on personality, um, big on, you know, shtick, but legitimate as a sport. And it started slowly spreading to different cities. And LA was maybe the fourth city, something like that, Mm -hmm. to, to start a league. And I, I found them two months after they formed. And so I, I answered the ad and I was like, I got to check this out. Like it was scary though. Like it's scary to go to a roller derby practice, having been a non-athlete, not knowing anybody. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just going to go by myself Uh to a roller derby practice. But I did. And it was amazing. <laughs> like, um, and at that time, like everybody was new. So all we did was skate laps for like the first six months. Yeah. Like we just did endurance and skated laps. <laughs> but you know what? Like I was roller skating and I was always comfortable on skates. So I picked up on that pretty quickly. I saw myself getting in shape really quickly, like because I didn't do anything before. And I made friends. Like I, the purpose was to meet people. And I was meeting people. And People yeah. who were like me, who were kind of like misfits, not natural athletes. It had this punk rock energy yeah. back in the early days. And so, you know, we all yeah, kind yeah. of gravitated towards that. So I I was all in like pretty quickly. And that became pr- pretty much my entire life for 11 years, <laughs> as it turns out. That's awesome. So you were like, a ri- you were original in the startup of the derby scene in... I- LA. Yeah. That's pretty, LA. I didn't and I guess mostly yeah. and mostly worldwide. Like cuz we were now there's I mean leagues. you think yeah, franchise out. Okay, yeah, it was in it was it came to here in Australia. There's a mm-hmm. league here we used to go watch it. Yeah. Um, I got to go on a tour in Australia. Yeah. Did I tell you that? Did you know that? You did. I, I, yeah. I think you might have mentioned that and cuz I vaguely remember that occasionally a team from the US would come out. Yeah, like we did. Were, you know, they'd be promoting like a big it was one of the cool things that there were a lot of cool things that happened in my life that came from roller derby, you know, and that's, it's part of what I, what my whole mission is now is like, when you pursue your athletic potential, you never know how your life can change in positive ways because mm. of it. And roller derby, and mm-hmm. especially doing roller derby in LA, like it opened a lot of really crazy doors. Like I got to be on The Bachelor. Um, that's a now, a, now a claim to fame. I was on an episode <laughs> of The Bachelor. Um, I did a bunch of TV shows and commercials because LA, you know, these opportunities exist. But one of the really, really cool yeah. things I got to do was there was a team from LA and a team from New York that were contracted to go on a tour in Australia in 2012, I think it was 2012. And we, you know, we were flown out. It was a television production company that hired us and they did this whole like arena production thing where, you know, we went to three, we went to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane and in the course of a week. So it was exhausting. Uh Um, I went as a coach. I didn't go to skate. I went as a coach for this tour, but, um, okay. 
but yeah, we got to do, and it's like all the arenas had these like laser light production, high production value um, events. <laughs> and so it was like, you know, I, it's the only time I've been there and I got to do it all, all expenses paid and get paid for it. Like, okay, that's a pretty cool thing that <laughs> happened <laughs> from roller derby. Um Yeah. You know, I, I I met my husband through roller derby. I found a new career through roller derby. Like, oh, really? yeah. So yeah. I met, yeah, my husband was a friend of a skater. We got engaged on the track. We got married on the track. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> so and cool. then, yeah. And then when I started training skaters, because uh, over time we we formed a skater led training team, and I I was one of the original members. And I started training skaters and I got to see them learn new skills and get that confidence that comes from doing things you never imagined you could do. Mm. And I was like, I want to do this for a living. I've, I've, it, I had this like career crisis and I'm like, I'm going to go back to school and get my certification. That's how I got into fitness was as a profession. Ah, was okay. From roller yeah. Derby. yeah. So yeah, I was going to ask how that, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. How that transition happened. Yeah. So and I was so, training. And then at some point you hung up your skates. Yeah. So um, it was 2014. I hung up my skates. So it was 11 years. I skated through my 40th birthday. Um, I kept telling myself, like, as time went on, I'm like, I'm going to make it 10 years. I'm going to make it 10 years. Then when I hit 10 years, I'm like, I'm going to make it till I'm 40. And then I made it till I was 40. And my body wasn't done. Um, But as you know, when you work in fitness, um, quite often you are required to do work at early morning hours. And roller derby practice mm. was at nighttime <laughs> hours. And I did my best as I was getting, uh, you know, I was starting to lead boot camps and, you know, doing like yep. 6 a.m. classes, 7 a.m. classes, and still doing roller derby. It was too much. Like I was exhausted all the time. And so I, I, it was hard to land on that time when I'm like, it is the right time to step away. But I eventually just had to make that call. I'm <laughs> like, I have to step away. I ended up coaching for another year, but then the commute was just, uh, it was too much. And I'm like, I really need to step away. But, um, but yeah, that decision to retire was one of the hardest decisions of my life. It's really hard when you don't have an obvious, like I didn't injure myself. Um, I'm not moving. My body's fine. I have, I have to be the one to make that call. It's not an easy call to make, uh, when it's your whole life for so long. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like it was something you because I think that's worth touching on because that can always be such a hard time of that transition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I mean, it was really at the end. It was just like these things don't compute. It's just it's like if I want to not be exhausted all the time, and they were also at that time yeah. they were moving to a new warehouse which was farther away. So it's like okay, maybe this maybe the signs are all telling me that it's <laughs> that it's time. And I wanted to end, you know, with another championship. We had won uh, three championships of uh, 2008 to 2010. Um, oh, no, I think we'd won four. Uh, it took, we, we took us a long time to win our first championship, and then we just started winning. But we we went to championships the year I retired, and I'm like, oh, it would be nice to leave with, you know, another one. But we lost that game. But it's like I had to make that yeah. decision. It's uh, like uh, I can't com- I can't commit to another year to try yeah. and get another trophy. I already have enough. Like so you stay in yeah for another yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, we're we're walking away. And you know what? It it took me time. People used to joke that I was terrible at retirement because I was always kind of around. <laughs> I never quite left, and like we'd have, 
like I kept going. There's an annual roller derby convention in Vegas. I kept going. And then there was like an alumni game once a year. I would do it, you know? And so people joked, it's like, she's never, she's never really retiring. And then I coached for a year. And when I finally left coaching and finally stopped teaching the beginner classes, like I really stepped away. And now I'm like, I am retired. Yeah, I'm still wow. good friends with my teammates. You know, I still have an affinity okay. to roller that. derby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, the, the derby dolls are doing like a virtual 5k right now. And I, I joined my teammates on their team <laughs> for the virtual 5k. Cause I'm like, my team was called tough cookies. I'm like, I'm a tough cookie forever. Like I'm a derby doll forever. I'm a tough cookie forever. <laughs> I still talk about yeah. roller derby all the time. Cause yeah. it's just, it's a huge part of my story. And so I wouldn't be who I am yeah, today yeah. without that phase of my life. And so, you know, it's really important. I'm grateful for it. That yeah, I can imagine that would be incredibly tough to be not just such a big part of your life, but it sounds like you're a big part of the evolution of it, sort of follow that journey and then be like, no, it's kind of time. Was it a bit of a case of it's time for me to like work out what else I want to do as well? You know, I wasn't sure of that yet. When I walked away, you know, it's we always have jokes about retirement sports. It's like, okay, what's your retirement sport after you walk away from roller derby? And I didn't think uh, too much uh. about it, but at the, but then I started, you know, going, going to gyms, working out, you know, outside of derby more frequently. And uh, the first thing I ended up at was a CrossFit type of thing. And I'm like, well, maybe this is my new sport and I'll do these competitions. Mm. Um, because I liked that feeling. I was looking for something that replicated sort of the adrenaline spikes that I felt when I was playing roller derby games. Cause it's like, it's, you know, it's a full contact sport on wheels. Like it's really energizing and exciting and it's mentally and physically challenging, which is what I really loved about it is that the game of roller derby, even though I was pretty good at skating, the game of roller derby was always hard for me. Like it was always figuring out the strategy, which was always evolving, playing offense and defense yeah, at the okay. same time, which is part of that sport. Like you you can't yeah. just take you can't just turn your brain off uh when you play that sport. And I was looking for something mm. like that. I think even though I didn't know I was looking, I was looking. And so it started off with like lifting heavy weight. And then um I you know at the same time I was teaching outdoor boot camps and I had a group um, it was the end of 2015 and I wanted to do something together with my group and a Spartan race was coming up um, in December. And I was like, let's all do this race together. That'd be fun. And so we all did this race. It was like a five mile race. It was one of their shorter ones. And, uh, and everybody in my group, we had 14 people. They're like, that was fun. What a great day we had. And I was like, what is this thing that I just did that I want to do it all the time? I just, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it's like, it's like, it, that was the light bulb. I'm like, it's, it's mentally and physically challenging and it's lighting me up in all the same ways. I want to do this. Mm. And that's how I started getting into obstacle racing. Cause I'm like, this feels very similar, but I can train whenever I want. Like I can train on my own time. I am a hundred percent responsible for what I do out there. There's nobody else involved. You know, in roller derby, sometimes you'd get to play and sometimes your yeah. coach would bench you and it depends on the game and what they needed yeah, out on the track. Okay. And I didn't have a hundred percent control over, you know, I'd put a ton of work into practice, but I didn't always get to play because that's team sports. Um, but yeah. this, this, this is a solo sport. And I'm like, I am hundred percent responsible for what I do out there on that, on that race course. And that, that became my new sport. And as you mentioned in the intro, I've now done over 60 <laughs> races in, you know, four plus years. It would have, this would have been the fifth yeah, year. But, so um, but yeah, I just, I do 
just once a month, multiple races in a weekend, um, sometimes several weekends in a row, depending on how frequently they were happening and if I could drive to them. Like, it just became my whole thing again. Because if I like something, I really, really like something and I'll go all in on it. So, um, (laughs) and the funny thing is, I have run into a bunch of retired roller derby skaters at these races apparently i am not the only one that feels this way <laughs> about <laughs> obstacle racing when you leave roller derby it's like oh this it's feels this yeah. feels similar so i i'm finding there's like a retired roller mm-hmm. derby club that that races the you know the circuit out here on, <laughs> on the west coast so it's kind of it's kind of cool to see that yeah i i uh am not a big runner i don't like running <laughs> I, and so I, the idea what? of I just doing like everyone would <laughs> get up to their <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, let's go do a 5K, let's go do a 10K, let's do a half marathon. And that's what they were trained for. And then, yeah, when Spartan Races first came to Australia, which was probably around the time you did your first one, 2013, 2014 maybe. And it was like, this looks interesting. Like watching videos, I think Tough Mudder had already come out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, it's a long run because then, I don't know if they've got different lengths now, but back then Tough Mudder was 21 kilometers, you know, half a half marathon. Yeah. And then there was like 10 obstacles along the way. There wasn't many. But Spartan Race was like, no, we're going to like cram in like 30 obstacles into like a a third of the running. (laughs) And I was like, that sounds like my jam. I can run for a few hundred meters or even a couple of kilometers if I know there's going to be something fun to do at the end of that. And um, yeah, loved it. Uh, Yeah, we did probably like three-ish a year of different – not always Spartan races, but three sort of different for a while before we moved to the States. And then that sort of killed the, I haven't done one since then. Um, and I've never felt in good enough right. shape. So you might be able to talk me out of that. Yeah. I can talk you out of that. You can be in any shape, feel, you know. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I remember training for it and it, it was really good fun. Uh yeah. So, it's just it's nice because it yeah, it's like you trains you in a lot of different ways. And like you mentioned, it's like mm-hmm. you know, people who are running averse, it's like you only have to run like less than a mile. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes uh-huh. a fraction of that before you get to an obstacle. So it it chunks yeah. out the running so it doesn't feel like a five K or a ten K or you know, or the thirty miler that I well, that one felt like thirty miles, but um, but, um, but yeah. Uh, that is a, how many hours did that take? Thirteen, thirteen hours. It was dark when we started. It was wow. dark when we finished. Yeah, that was a long day. That was a year ago, October. We did the ultra, um, and we did. You know, we weren't being competitive with it. It was three of us doing it together, me and my husband and one of my gym members. And so we were yeah. staying together and then we, we ran into another gym member who needed a little help getting through. And so we, we walked like the last, you know, five, six miles of it. Um, so that, that explains the time, but you know, it's a, it's a day like you wake up and you're like, this is what I'm going to spend my whole day doing. And yeah. when you do that, it makes it easier. It makes it easier when you just know, like this is, this, I'm going to do this all day. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, as that, opposed that to being surprised Yeah, that's it. a good, yeah, that's a good way mm-hmm. to put it. But, but yeah, yeah you and know, then, anyone, and anyone can do, anyone yeah. can do these races. Like you don't have to know how to do every obstacle. Like if, if you need to take a penalty, take a penalty and you get better as you go. Um, but you know, and, and when you do the open heats, people can help each other over walls and stuff. So I always encourage beginners like, yes, train for yeah, it, okay. but like, don't be scared of it because you, you, you can finish. Absolutely. And it's a great feeling when you do. 
Uh, uh, burpees. Burpees, burpees still the penalty. They're still the penalty, yeah. 30. 30 burpees. Yeah, yeah okay. Yep, yeah, because yep. one of the guys we went with once he did like, he had to do like 300 burpees. I've done 300 like, burpees. accumulated, we worked mm-hmm. out afterwards. Yeah, and I was like, no, I did 30 burpees that one. And that was on the, they had, there was no obstacle just before the finish line. They were like, like 100 meters from the finish line. They're like 30 burpees. And um, Oh, that must be an Australian rules thing. thing. I haven't seen that here. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was a while ago. <laughs> That's and mean. It was like, I thought I was going to get through the whole thing. Uh, without it which was that was about 10 10 miles it was the sort of middle oh, distance wow. one 10 yeah, miles yeah. Is that right yeah they've made them That's shorter the now they're they're yeah spartan is now doing standardized like 5k 10k half marathon distance for all their mm. races so they're a little bit shorter they're a little bit shorter on the whole now but um uh, but when I started, it was all like, you don't know how many miles you're going to get in a race. And I remember doing world championships and it was 17 miles and I did 330 burpees in that race up in the mountains um, at elevation. <laughs> so, yeah, I've I've been there. I have been there. Okay. So this podcast about leadership and I did, okay. uh, we are going, we are going there. <laughs> We're going in that the direction. I have for yeah. you now is okay. at what point did you... Um, like somewhere in all of this, you decided that you would step up and become a leader for other women and kind of like, you know, light the runway a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was really the inception of that? What was the the thing that the moment that, that you decided you wanted to pursue that? Um. Well, I'll give a little background. Like I feel like I've always pursued leadership roles or coaching roles or teaching roles. Um, you know, in roller derby, I was the first captain of my team. Um, and then, you know, I, I became a coach, I became a trainer. Um, and I liked, you know, in roller derby at that time, I'm like, I want to teach people how to be better roller derby skaters or, or become roller derby skaters or feel confident on roller skates. And so I like Mm -hmm. kind of, I, I like that role. Um, and, and I learned, it's like, oh, I like helping people do things they never imagined they could do because I saw it happen with myself. Like I saw my own experience mm. in roller derby completely changed my life, my confidence, you know, it, it led me to become a trainer. It led me to start my own business, like all these things that I would have been too scared to do otherwise. So I saw that in my own story. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, I saw that, you know, the more active I was, the more things I'm able to do, or it doesn't feel like I'm getting older quite as much. Um, you know, it's like, I, I didn't really slow down after roller derby. I didn't take a long break. I started working out more and finding this new sport and finding this community and seeing what it did for other people. And then in the meantime of all this, like as it was happening, I was, as I was getting into Spartan, um, I, uh, well, then I became a Spartan coach because <laughs> I'm like, well, I like this so much. I'm going to get their their coaching certification. So anything, anytime I like something, I'm like, okay, how can I teach it? Uh, so I became a Spartan certified coach. Yeah, and then, interesting. And then um, the podcast happened. So, you know, it was, it was 20, end of 2016 mm. where I was like, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know what to talk about. And somehow at the end of 2016, I landed on the idea of talking to athletes over 40. And I was like, you know what? I love seeing those stories online of people 
who are older doing amazing athletic things. We always say they're so inspiring when we see them. Well, how about I talk to them and yeah. like see what makes them tick? Um, and so that was my idea for my podcast was like, I'm going to, I'm going to share the stories of anyone older, over 40, like any aging athlete. And so I started making these podcast episodes in 2017, June of 2017 is when it came out. And as I was spending time doing that, I was like, well, it's awesome that the podcast inspires people, but I want to help people. And so that sort of evolved what I wanted to do. And I couldn't quite, it took me a long time to figure out how. Um, and, and then and then in 2018, I opened my gym, which was not for women over 40 specifically. It was for obstacle racing. So I opened, my husband and I opened Rise Up Training yeah, okay. in Santa Monica together in 2018. And that became my primary focus for a while. Um, but then um, I went, I actually went to see, I went to a, a conference and saw someone speak. His name is Vito Lafada, and he helps people build online businesses. And when I saw him speak, I had an idea in my head when he was talking about, you know, building online businesses. And I'm like, I want to build something around seasoned athlete. That's the name of my podcast. I'm like, I want to build something around seasoned athlete about helping people who are over 40 um, and specifically women, because I think, I personally think this is something women need to hear. Like men more naturally, I think, gravitate towards sport um, and extreme things, mm. these extreme things that I like. Like it's all, men are more naturally raised to take these risks, do do these types of things. And in mm. my experience in mm -hmm. obstacle racing, yeah, it's I definitely more encouraged. It's more encouraged. Yeah. And women, you know, get into raising families and putting women are sort of conditioned to put others before them like at all costs <laughs> mm -hmm. um that everybody else comes before mm -hmm. you um and if there is no time for you that's too bad and and so it's i was like so i started i started working with Vito and like figuring out okay how can i how does this how is this going to look for for my business and i realized i'm like okay i'm going to help I, I, actually, the first evolution was I'm going to help women over 40 run obstacle races because when I went out on these race courses, I would see, you know, in these age groups, I'd see a lot more men than women doing doing these things. And I'm like, yeah, I okay. want to encourage yeah. more women to, to get out there and experience these benefits and show them what is possible when you do yeah. put yourself first and and go after things that light you up um, because it can it can help you in all other areas of your life. Um, and so it started with obstacle racing, like, cause that's what I know. It's what I do. Just like when I, when I was in roller derby, I was like, I'm going to help roller derby skaters get better. And so I, I focus on the thing that I'm doing uh -huh. at the time. And so, um, I actually launched my first online, like 90 day program. Um, it was called ages, no obstacle. I launched it at the beginning of this year and it was about helping women over 40 run their first obstacle race or run their best obstacle race. And so that was that was exciting. I had like five women in my program and we were all going to run a race together um, in April in San Diego. And then the pandemic happened and that right. race got canceled. Um, <laughs> but but the cool thing is we actually did a virtual race together. So on that race day, we all did our own version of it. And then we got on Zoom and like had an after party war war like if we had done races before we just pulled out an old medal and like or made a medal. Um, so we, you know, we celebrated. We did it the best way we could. But over, you know, over this last year with racing not really existing, <laughs> uh, 
you know, it's like that as a motivator doesn't really exist like it did before, at least not now. And so I've evolved my coaching to more of a broader range of helping women over 40 explore their athletic potential at any age and any fitness background, because I still, the mission is still there. It's just the way I'm teaching it is a little bit different. Um, and helping, helping them step into goals that, that they can achieve, whether it's a pandemic or not, you know? Um, so that's, that's what I'm working towards. And I really, you know, again, it goes back to that podcast, like the podcast inspires, but I have a drive to help. I have a drive to be more hands-on and to really help people discover what they're capable of and learn how to do things they never imagined they can do so they could experience what that feels like and how that lights them up to then do bigger, bolder things and how that permeates into all areas of their lives. So that's it's a long version of yeah. how I've stepped into leadership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and so you've mentioned how that's always there's always been a core driver in you to share, I guess, your experience. Have you found with the podcast interviewing other people and hearing their stories, have you found that also inspiring towards where you want to go? Has that been a big part of it? Do you kind of went over the podcast quickly, so I just wanted to circle back. Yeah. So I've been doing the podcast since twenty seventeen and um I've interviewed like eighty some odd people, um, something like that. I'd have to go back and count, but I've also done some solo episodes, but like one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things is doing these interviews. Like I feel like every time I do an interview with one of these athletes, I want to just like go right to the gym or go for a run or something. Like I'm so fired up Yeah, because they're awesome. Like these people are amazing and they're so inspiring. And we have, you know, I've shared stories of people who are lifelong athletes and I've shared stories of people who came into it like much, much later. And, you know, it's like, it makes me so happy that I'm finding these people and I get to talk to them and, and hear, you know, where they came from and what led them to doing what they do and then sharing that with others so they can hear it. So, and then, and it also gives me like a pile of examples that I can reference when I'm talking to clients or potential clients. And it's like, go listen to this episode with, you know, the open water swimmer in her 60s mm. who didn't start until she was at 46 yeah, cool. and now has swam the English Channel. And she's yeah. just like a regular grandma. Uh-huh. Like, like, listen to these stories if you feel like you're questioning <laughs> yourself. And I listen to these stories when I feel like I'm questioning myself. And yeah. I'm like, and it just reminds me, it's like, and they all say the same thing. It's like, you're never too old. It's never too late. They say it over and over and over again. So, you know, it's a good reminder for all of us of what is possible. And that yeah. even if you've done nothing up until this point, you can start now and do really cool, amazing things. It's different for everybody. It looks different for everybody. Not everybody's going to swim the English Channel. I don't think I am. But, you know, I yeah. my podcast, <laughs> I mean, my podcast led me to run my first marathon this year. Like I used to say, I never wanted to run a marathon. I yeah. was like, half marathons, you know, two hours is is long enough. But I interviewed enough marathon runners and triathletes, and I'm like, maybe I should give this a try. <laughs> and I did. I ran a marathon in March, shortly before everything shut down. Yeah, I somehow yeah. managed to run the LA, awesome. LA marathon. So, you know, it's inspiring me to to go outside of Congratulations. mine. Thank you. Mm. Um, it's inspiring me to go outside of my box and my comfort zone. And I like to think that my box and my comfort zone are pretty big. Yeah. But it's inspiring me to push. And so if it inspires me to push, I'm hoping it can inspire others as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely that surrounding yourself with 
people who are who are passionate about what they do and and breaking through their own beliefs um, is is so powerful. Just rubs yeah. off on you. I mean, you say they say My it's wife. like you're the you're the sum of like the five five people you're closest to or something like that or you know yeah. it's like you yeah, are yeah. <laughs> you are a product so you're getting of little you're, like yeah little nuggets from each little person. nuggets of improvement <laughs> for my own yeah. life it's like if these are the people i'm surrounding myself with like things aren't bad for me you know yeah <laughs> that's so cool uh yes my wife and i were watching uh there's a new doco on amazon called um momentum generation well i think it came out last year but it's about um a group of pro american surfers like kelly slater and taylor nash i'm gonna forget all their names now um i know kelly slater i know that name yeah, yeah everyone knows kelly slater and they, they do go into that but yeah. they talk about how these guys used to hang out at the same like beach house and how there was this constant like not quite one-upsmanship, but there was, like, just that being around each other. If one of them caught, like, a big, really big wave, then another one would be like, oh, I can catch a wave that big. And then they would go and catch that wave. And then one of them would do a new trick and then the other one would go, oh, well, he's as good a surfer as me. I can go, you know, and they they completely revolutionized the sport of surfing, made it cool again as well, these, these kids, um, because because of that just that group being in that group and, and drive that drive and yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool movie. Especially if you're, if you're interested in surfing. Yeah. It's like, it's like group ambition. It's like, yeah, you're all going to make each other better. And and they're just probably like, it's their ego. It's like, I want to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, know, they're like teenagers at the time teenage boys teenagers but they actually made each other like elites you know by doing yeah um there's a group of women that i have met in obstacle racing like my age group competitors particularly the west coast ones where i see them at every race and we're always at the start line together and it's like they are you know they're and they're all amazing people they're my friends but they're my competitors and so i'm always you know there's certain ones that are always winning and it's like okay i gotta try and catch you there's certain ones that are really close to where i'm at and so it's like sometimes they beat me and sometimes I beat them. And so it's like it gets really, really fiercely competitive on the course, but in a friendly way, like roller <laughs> derby. But like when I'm out there, I'm like, I, if I see one of them, I'm like, I am, I am chasing her down. Like I, I want to, I want to be ahead of her. Um, so we, <laughs> yeah. I get like that. I get like that too. <laughs> Still now, and that's it. Not reserved for teenage boys. <laughs> that drive. No, nope, nope. um, apparently you can be 46 absolutely. years old and, and your messages. 46 year old yeah. women can be just as competitive <laughs> as teenage boys. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I've got one more question for you and then I've got some rapid fire questions, but I noticed on your website, you mentioned living ageless and also you also have another word on there called age, age up, aging up. So I'm just curious if you could explain those to us. Yes. So when I coach women over 40, um, you know, women are conditioned to want and crave youth, right? Like Mm. movies, television, we have these unrealistic expectations of how we're supposed to look. And you, you have, you know, like 
Charlie is there and playing a grandmother, you know, and like ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> expectations. And so, you know, and I live in LA, which it's worse here, but you know, we're all conditioned to want yeah. to be younger and to shun, you know, it's like when you hit your birthday and it's like, I'm not saying how old I am, you know? And, and so that's just oh, constant. Yeah. <laughs> it's constant for us. And so what I'm trying to do is shift that mm. narrative so that we embrace our age. And when I talk about agelessness, it's, what that means to me is that, you know, you're able to do things that people half your age may or may not be able to do. Um, and maybe you even look younger than people your age typically look, but you're bringing your whole life experience with you. And you you gain from that experience and that wisdom that that actually proves to be an asset for you in a lot of different ways. So in my podcast, I like to ask, um, you know, what, what struggles do you experience as an aging athlete, but also what benefits do you experience as an aging athlete? And I love asking that because it's not typical. Usually we talk about, oh, when we get older, it takes us longer to recover and we have to do more stretching and, um, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, okay, but what, what are the good things? that come with being older. And a lot of times mm, they talk about, mm -hmm. you know, I know how to take care of myself better. I don't get caught up in, you know, having to chase down a younger person on, on a race course, you know, I can pace myself and I understand like what my, what my strengths and weaknesses are a little bit better. And I can play that to my advantage, yeah. you know, um, I, I, my, I can keep my, my emotions under control a little better. Like, so there's benefits that we all have that, only come with age. And so that's why I talk about agelessness versus youth. And then Age Up is my is my new membership program. And I took that name because in racing, like in, in running races, um, obstacle races, if you're competing in an age group, um, when you go up to the next age group, so if you get older and you go up to the next age group, it's you age up to that group. Uh, and the only uh -huh. scenario I've ever seen where women get excited about getting older is when they are competitive racers and they age up <laughs> to a new age group. Cause now you're the youngest person in that age group. That's an advantage. <laughs> so I've talked to people on my podcast where I'm like, how old are you? And she's like, I'm 49, but I'm turning 50. And that means new age group. And she's so excited. And I'm like, I want us all to, I want us all to feel like that, you know, that like, we don't feel bad about getting older. Yeah. We're excited about getting older because we're because look at me. I'm yeah. I'm doing amazing mm -hmm. things. I feel ageless. So that's where that name came from. Yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, I thought that would be a fun, fun name for my membership. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. It's yeah, it is that too much emphasis on on yeah, looks and aging and not not enough emphasis on wisdom. I mean, if you think of like how social media feeds into that too, not just from the looks, but like wisdom is less sought after online I mean, as well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like we don't it. think about it this way. Like, sure, like if you said, if could if you could look the way you did in your twenties, would you? If you if you had that opportunity, would you do that? Like a lot of people would say yes, but it's like if you could mm. be the same person you were in your twenties. <laughs> Would you yeah. want that? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I would. So it's like, you know, embrace the person yeah. you are. And the more active you are, yeah, like, yeah. that actually does affect your looks. Like the, when you live an active and healthy lifestyle, yeah. you know, and, and that's a lot of the media. I, there's a lot of jokes. I mean, I'm in a lot of midlife women Facebook groups, you know, and 
there's jokes. You see yeah. these graphics <laughs> that show like women in their twenties, women in their thirties, forties, fifties. And it's like the women in their twenties and thirties look all, you know, hip and fashionable. And then like forties and fifties, they look like grannies like instantly. And it's like, this is what we're being shown. It's like really? <laughs> Cause that's not what it has to be like. Yeah. So, you know, you could be, you can move as well as you did when you were younger. You can feel like you did when you were younger and, and you could look like someone who is younger than your age indicates without having to do any interventions. Um, but you still have all that, all the good stuff that came with your life experience. And I think it's important. I think that's, yeah. it's valuable yeah. is what yeah, that is. Yeah. And that's, it's undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. A way undervalued. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, I, I want to help women over 40 and that's the, it's the age I've landed on. I'm 46, but you know, as we get older, I want to help this population, you know, who is often undervalued, as you said, underlooked, forgotten, um, certainly not viewed as anybody who could be an athlete. Um, I want to help them be able to feel valued, to, to feel important, to feel like their lives matter, like their own lives matter and not just their identity as wife, mom, employee you know it's like you're you have an identity outside of all of that and i want to help you you know embrace that and and grow that for yourself because it's you need we all need that we all need that yeah absolutely yeah thank you thank you for the work you do oh thank you uh, thank you for thank you, you for you valuing for, it a hundred percent. Um, especially with, I think the most of the listeners I hear from on this show, uh, um, cause we've got, you know, a trainer background. So a, a bit of female trainers and they're like, and I just, I see the message you're sharing online and I just thought it was really important to, um, to have that. And especially being run by two, you know, white, guys in their thirties. Like it's like <laughs> right. it's like I want to get people on here who um who who are representing like my audience yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for you. <laughs> and I'm here for your audience. <laughs> uh do you have time for a, a few rapid fire questions? Of course I have time. Of course I have all the time. I have all the time for you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um Okay, so question one is, what is your favorite way to engage with your community? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, that's interesting. I mean, I love, I honestly love audio. Um, I love podcasts. Um, you know, I, have, I, I had a radio background prior to getting into this fitness madness. That's what I was doing in my 20s. So I love this medium. I love talking. Um, I love connecting with people in that way. Um, but uh, I've recently started getting into uh, Instagram Reels. <laughs> it's a brand brand new thing that they have going on. But I have found that you know I I get to show my sense of humor a little more through those yeah. videos, and you know I I think it's important to show that I'm like I am not your average fit pro. I'm not your average trainer. I'm a little bit weird. I'm a little bit goofy. Um, I I don't take myself too seriously, so you don't have to be intimidated around me. And so I started making like silly, funny <laughs> Instagram reels where I talk about what I offer. Like I talk about my programs, but in a really 
funny way. And so I literally have been doing that for like a couple of weeks and I'm enjoying it. So I might be leaning into that a little bit more to reach, to reach people. Um, so yeah, if you go on my Instagram page and check out my reels, you know, you can see me roller skating in a poo emoji costume and uh, doing a lot of silly running based, um, <laughs> videos. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. I'm yet to do a reel, so uh, maybe you'll inspire me to... It took me a while to figure out how, because it's not intuitive, and I I think I had to read an article about it, because I am 46 years old, so you know none of this is made for me, but once I started figuring it out, and I'm like, oh, I just upload this video, I can add text and like show it where I want to show it, and then put a song on it, and boom. I got a reel and Instagram is because it's new, they're driving more traffic to them. And so they're getting seen more than my regular posts are getting seen. So I'm like, so I, you know, I teach a class currently out in a park three mornings a week. And so right now I'm like, I need to make a reel every time I'm out in the park and just keep, keep pumping them out. Um, just to hopefully get more eyes on me and my personality and what I do. Um, and, and just show a little bit of fun and humor because we all need that right now. More than ever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Second question. Who are two or three leaders that you look to as role models? Oh, my goodness. Um, So um, one I'm I'm kind of working with right now, her name is Rachel Rogers. Um, I'm in her mastermind currently. I know her. Yeah, well, I don't know her, I'm, but I, I'm familiar with her. I don't her, actually know her either, but but she yeah. <laughs> is all about her whole thing is helping women make money, like helping women business owners yeah. get rich. Um and stepping into because that's another thing that women have a hard time with is believing that we deserve to earn money, like wealth. And and that, you know, the importance of of us building wealth for ourselves, for our families, and for the causes we support. Um, so I've really been learning a lot from her, listening to her podcast every week and I'm in, I'm in her club. So, you know, I get coached by her. Um, so that's, that's been really, really helpful. Um, let me show leaders, leaders, leaders. Um, you know, I, I shout out like every, every competitive woman over 40 that obstacle races you know there's some elite elite women there's a woman named heather golnick who's been on my podcast she's like in her late 40s um so people who do what i like doing but they are and they are in the age group that i think is important to see out there um so you know the women i i race against um and the women who i don't race against because they're way way better than me (laughs) like um, I look up, I look up to all of them. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't look up to like traditional leaders for the most part. I mean, Rachel is pretty well known, but like, I don't, you know, traditional people out in, out in the online world. I don't know. I don't, I don't connect with all of them that much, but, um, it's more like, uh, if I'm working with you directly, um, and, you know, I'll give credit to Vito, Vito Lafada. I don't, I'm not in his group anymore, but he got me started on doing this online business thing in the first place and helped me kind of get through the messy parts of starting. Um, and so that I can, I could then build from where I'm at. So, you know, I've come a long way in the last year, you know, a year ago at this time, I was a gym owner, but I wasn't doing anything else beyond that. And I'm glad 
that I moved into helping people online because this year, who could have expected this year to be what it is? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was starting to build my yeah. online version of my business, you know, in December and January. Glad I started then um, because things evolved. And now, you know, I am closing my gym. My gym hasn't been open since March. So we're closing it and I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine with letting it go and I'm fine with it because I have landed on this, this really important niche and this audience that I know is overlooked and undervalued and I can really dive in to serving that audience. And so I do give credit to, to Vita Lafada and I give credit to Rachel Rogers and all of her coaches for helping me turn this blob of an idea into something that's actually tangible that people can sign up and work with me so so yeah that's my answer <laughs> that's, awesome. that's good there's there's no yeah. wrong an- answer to that question i know it's, a, it's like it puts me like um, oh that was a tough one to actually think about but yeah i'm sure there are there are others. And yeah and in fact i'm actually <laughs> looking for like less known people or unconventional leaders because yeah. like, that's that's who we want on this podcast as well it's not like right your typical right. people yeah. um we because there are lots of different ways to lead as as you know yes as you mentioned yeah what is the one tool you use for running a business that you would miss most if it was gone oh wow uh there's definitely not just one but probably probably the one i'd miss most well i guess right now zoom but uh, <laughs> that's yeah. just right now thing but yeah i think canva is the one that yeah i feel like i use canva like almost every day. Um, like that one is, that has become super, super clutch for me. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, if I had to narrow it down to one, probably Canva. It's, it's, it's just so stupid, easy to use and you can make really good looking graphics and uh, any, anything that looks like a graphic on my website, it came from Canva. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They did a great job. Yeah. Um, uh, on the days where you're uh, doubting your ability to lead, what do you do to get back on track? Um, yeah, I have those days all the time. That's the thing. Um, but yeah, well, that's, um, everyone I, has them. <laughs> and that's and I think it's an important reminder because I think when we have those days, we think we're the only ones. Like we get really into mm. our own heads about it. I know I do, and it's like you start thinking it's like I'm a failure. I'm never going to be successful at this. Like it's, it just becomes an indictment on you when really like it's, it's just your, you know, it's just a slow day, you know, or whatever is happening or you're not motivated or not inspired or whatever. But I have found um, being in, you know, and I, I don't want to you know, feel like I'm doing a commercial, but in Rachel Rogers mastermind that, you know, there's a Facebook group and it has like 1500 women in it. And I find if I share in there or if I even just look in there, there are other people that are like, yep, I feel exactly the same. Um, but here's what I did. And, and so it's just, just reminding myself that it's like, it is not an indictment on me. I am not a failure. We all experience this, like all of us. It's part of the process. I just did an Instagram post this week and I I made it funny where, where I took a bunch of my Spartan dunk wall photos and I took somewhere I'm like smiling and happy and somewhere I'm like miserable and I was like the stages of entrepreneurship <laughs> as shown in dunk wall photos and it's like photo one <laughs> like I've landed on this amazing idea I'm gonna change the world photo two like 
I'm a failure and a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Photo three, I sold one person into my membership. Photo four, I've only sold one person into my membership. Like, and I got (laughs) such a great response from that because everybody experiences it. Everyone. And it's just, it's part of the journey. And so just reminding myself that I am not alone. Like, this is not just a me thing. And, and that like, it's not, I'm not a failure. Tomorrow I'm probably gonna feel completely different. Like I'll probably get a win. <laughs> like, um, and it's it's the tough thing about being sort of a early level entrepreneur is like the highs feel really high and the lows feel really low, and it's hard to even out. Mm-hmm. But it just takes practice. But just I I just like to remind myself and surround myself with others who are are doing similar work as me, who can remind me that I I'm not alone in all this and my feelings are totally normal. So it's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Robin, we've reached the end. Oh, no. <laughs> I do this all day. <laughs> I, I um, am very grateful for you coming on and just like just being so enthusiastic about it as well. I was having one of those nervous days. I think, you know, it took me a couple of days to even message you on Instagram and then you gave me your email and then it took me like another four days <laughs> oh, to email you <laughs> see? and you were so quick to respond and so quick. So yes, it's true. Everyone has those days. Yeah. We all yeah. get in our own heads, but like, yeah. yeah, no, it's just like going to the gym for the first time. Like no one's actually looking at you. Like yeah, <laughs> you think yeah. everybody's staring at you and judging you. And it turns out <laughs> they're all stuck in their own crap and they, yeah. and they all feel the same way. So, you know, it, take that step make that reach out like do even when it feels scary hit send because chances are you're going to get a good response from it you know or you might get no response from it and that's fine but you know um it's part of the journey but yeah i i was glad you reached out and i love doing this stuff so i was i was happy i was happy to be quick to respond so yeah you don't have to be scared kyle (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it's one of those things like i said i think it just it, I know it'll become more natural as yes. I get back into doing it again, reaching out. Yeah. It's always hard when um, you take a hiatus. When you, I, I, I've done it. It's hard to take a hiatus and yeah. get back into that. And and podcasting and just interviewing people, like I never get – I've never gotten comfortable with interviewing people. Like it is – it's a nerve-wracking thing to interview somebody. So when I've – been doing it for three years, it's not easy. I've gotten better. I've gotten better with on-the-fly stuff, but like – I still get nervous every time I talk to somebody. So again, you're not alone. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Where can people find you online? Okay. Uh, My website is robinleggett.com. Um, you can find out about me. You can find about, uh, find out about my programs. I have, you know, I have an entry level, um, 21 day challenge for people who have just completely fallen off their fitness and need a simple way to get back to it. I've got my age up membership, which is my primary, way I coach and help people. Um, and it's for women over 40 who want to age like athletes. You can find out about that on my website. Also social media um, on Instagram at Robin Leggett, R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T or Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Robin Leggett SGX. That's my, my old name. Um, and then the Seasoned Athlete Podcast uh, on seasonedathlete.me. 
um, yeah. at, at seasoned athlete on Instagram and facebook.com slash either seasoned athlete or seasoned athlete podcast. One of those. Um, I can't remember which right now, but one or the other will get you there. So yeah, check out the podcast, give it a listen, give it a rating and review. Yeah. Love that. Um, and yeah, reach out to me anytime. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah. If you, if Robin's story or, or you're also a trainer in your forties who is looking for some inspiration or even if you're a bit younger, I mean, especially if you're a bit younger uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, start sure you don't have to wait till you're 40 to start athlete. yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> get it done now just get uh, inspired now fantastic. so that you're ready <laughs> yeah thank you so much robin uh it was really good to catch up with you and thanks for sharing your story and and your wisdom with us too oh thank you kyle it's great to catch up with you and thank you for having me on your podcast 